Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Co. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. Oh, you're, you're all riled up for Canadians. Are you doing pretty good? I'm proud of you. Be proud of yourselves. Give yourself a little pat in the back there. Welcome to our series. We're studying the story of Nehemiah in a series that we've called Invincible. Have you ever felt invisible? Well, we are moving from feeling invisible and actually maybe being a little invisible to being invincible. Who wants to be invincible in their life? Who wants to wake up every morning knowing exactly what you are here on this earth to do and exactly, not maybe exactly how to do it, but knowing the way to do it, to feeling invincible, to actually being invincible. I think that if God is, is all of that, and I think that God is all of that, you kind of missed your, that was an opportunity. I feel like if God is all of that, then he's probably got a plan that if we would get step into, then when we walk into a room, we wouldn't feel invisible, but we would know who we are as children of God. Now, you might not be a Jesus person yet. You might be checking faith out. Come and check us out here. I think you'll find that we're a screwed up hot mess. Thank you, Mary, this baptism video. We're a screwed up hot mess, but at least we're trying to be honest about it. In a world today, in, in Canadian culture particularly, in most cultures, it's like find yourself in yourself and self-help. And we just think like, look, people, people say this to me sometimes. It's like, well, Christianity is a crutch. And I'm like, no, Christianity is a resurrection because I was dead in my trespasses and sins. I had no connection with God. I didn't have connection with people the way that I needed except for the grace of God. So it's much worse than a crust. And I, crutch, crust. <laughs> I've been having back problems for about three days, so I'm all up here, and it's kind of limber, so it's good. If I start seizing up, somebody start praying, all right? Today's sermon I've called The Puzzle Master. The Puzzle Master. Do we have any jigsaw puzzle masters in the house? Is Pastor Aaron here, or is she teaching kids? Where is she? Oh, yeah, there she is. Yeah, okay. Now, we have to have permission to do jigsaw puzzles in our home. <laughs> Where's this going? The gift of awkward. I've already preached about this. I have the gift of awkward. Jigsaw puzzles. Here's the thing. When you walk into a new relationship, you walk into a new career. Some people are changing careers right now and shifting. Or you walk into or you get married and all of a sudden it's a new situation. Or you have a child and it's a new thing. And, or you walk in, you blend a family. And oh my goodness. Like How much time do you spend when you walk into something new trying to figure out where you fit? puzzle master, where you fit into the whole general scheme of things. How much energy do you spend trying to figure out your fit in your own home? Lots. The awkward science is telling me lots. You need a puzzle master. My wife, Erin, is, um, you only know what you know, and then you marry somebody, and then you find out, oh, there's this whole other way of doing stuff. And so Aaron, uh, Aaron loves, and Aaron's family, they grew up doing um, jigsaw puzzles, like, together. I hate jigsaw puzzles. I'm not a jigsaw puzzle person. It requires this thing called patience. I was also told by a bunch of guys at work one day that I should never attempt fishing because that requires this thing called patience. I'm like, how often do you catch fish? Like, every five seconds or so? Like, I've, I'd be in, right? No, you just sit there for a long time and just sit in a boat for a long time. I'm like, oh, that sounds... They're like, you shouldn't do it because it would be very frustrating. Another reason golf is not my jam. But I, I realized we, we were, we had our, our kids were little and Aaron's like, hey, I'm going to take out a jigsaw puzzle and it's Christmas time. And three days later, three days later, it started normal. I'm like, oh, okay, this is the thing. She gets this, it all spread out on the table and stuff. And three days later, she's still there. She hadn't moved. 
And she's, you see those movies where the creepy person is just kind of sitting over, like, just give me a sec. There's this person and they're just kind of growing into the furniture and their arms are just darting out every now and again, this thing, and the hair is just like growing over the thing. And, and finally, I didn't know what to do here. And I'm like, after three days straight, I'm like, because Aaron gets this like focus thing going on, right? After three days straight, I walk up there and I'm just like, you know how it is when you're kind of physically afraid of somebody? I'm just like, excuse me. The girls and I were hungry. Like, you have a family, and we love you, and we don't know if you're okay. We see all of this is happening here, and it's just puzzle after puzzle with billion-piece puzzles. And, and I'm just like, she's a puzzle ninja. Her arms just dart in, and I saw her do it with her, her, uh, her mom and her sister one time. And I saw them all try to reach for the same piece one time, and somebody picked up a piece that the other one wanted, and they smacked each other's hands. Oh, now I'm giving you a little context. Oh, yeah, no, it's a thing. It's like a church league baseball, man. Everybody's playing for their salvation. Can I hear an amen? It's a serious deal, man. Heaven is being decided tonight in the baseball tournament. <laughs> and she's focused and, like, she's got this way of just, like, put the puzzle right in the right piece. So one day, just to mess with her brain, because that's my gift, to her. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just walk in there. I'm going to pick up one piece. I'm just going to put one piece in the puzzle. And she's going to come in like a crazy person and be like, who touched my stuff? Because she'll notice like one piece got put in there that she didn't get put in there. And I stood there over the puzzle with a piece in my hand. And I'm not kidding. For probably 10 minutes, I stood there and I'm just like, piece, piece. one piece. I knew if I went with another piece, it was all one piece. Finally, this is how I do puzzles now. Finally, I, I put the piece down in a spot that didn't fit and went. <laughs> walked away. That's why I do jigsaw puzzles. We have this thing in society where, where we're saying that you're the only one who can tell you what you're worth. I know why we do that. I think that a lot of us grew up in homes that, that weren't told we were loved, weren't told that a life saved is worth everything. You weren't told about the love of God for you. I mean, you can always tell what something is worth. We always say this, you know, if I'm trying to sell a car, like, yeah, you think it's worth this, but it's only worth what somebody pays for it. Well, here's the thing. A human life, if it's only worth what somebody paid for it, Jesus paid his whole life for it. God sent his son down to, to die because sin was separating us. And, and the only way that, that he could do this was adopt us into his family so that when he looks at see, sin was paid in full with Jesus. And you could never pay your sin in full, but it caused a separation. And so, when, and so the price that was paid for you, but, but most of us didn't grow up in homes that were, that were, where you were told like how much you were really worth, just as a person. I mean, adding value to your company or to your family, that's a different thing. That's a skill that you have to build. I mean, just your value as a person. I don't think most of us grew up in homes like that. I happen to. But I don't think most of us did. And we're told in our society today that you're the only one who can tell you what you're worth because we've been told that we aren't worth all that much because this is how we get our worth right now. We get our worth because we have to drive a certain car or we have to make a certain amount of money or I have to look like her, but she has a physically impossible body. And I have to... And this is where we start getting our, our, 
our worth. But when we walk into new situations, what happens is because our society and most societies, your worth is not just in who you are as a person, which have you figured out you can't really say what you're worth. And we tell ourselves, like, you're the only one who can tell you what you're worth. Now, I, I did a thing called negative self-talk a few weeks ago. Okay, you have to speak words, but whose words are you speaking over? You words that you decided about you? That's very limited in its power. Words that you see about you? Well, you'll always see something in you that's not quite right yet. And not, no, but see, God, when he looks at you, he sees something else. He doesn't see perfection, but he sees somebody who is worth everything. And so there's this inherent human worth in every human soul. And we get to this place where we're like, I'm so afraid that, that you'll tell me that I'm not worth something. Because here's, here's the thing that we do. My worth is tied to my role. So my worth as a person is tied to how, how good of a mother I am. Or how good I, I am, what kind of a career I have, and how I fit in at the office, and my role, my worth, is decided by how much money I make, which is decided by where I work, which is decided how well I do in industry, which is decided by how well I relate to my friends at school, which is decided by how I look, which is decided by... And, and because we are so scared of somebody telling us that we're not worth anything, because that's a message that we've heard over and over, you're not worth anything unless you... Look like, unless you eat healthy food. Un- I just had to throw that in there. If you don't eat the way that I lo- eat, you're not worth what I'm worth. I'm just saying this because I hate vegetables and I'm just. <laughs> eating vegetables is like dying before you die. What's the point of saving extra years if I gotta eat like this? It just makes no sense to me. I'm just- <laughs> is anybody sitting beside Pastor Aaron right now? That'd be amazing. It's not gonna work, but. What we do is we, we get to this place where we're like, okay, nobody should be able to decide my worth for me, which is true. But then the next step that we take, and it seems logical to us just because everybody around us is making this step now, is, okay, you're not allowed to tell me what I'm worth, so therefore the only one left to tell me what I'm worth is me. And that seems like a logical option. And it's kind of a better option than somebody else telling you what you're worth if somebody else is telling you that you're not worth much. So it seems like a logical option, but it gets us stuck very, 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 very quickly because the only one who can tell you what you're worth is the one that actually created you. You didn't create you. The only one who can tell you what you're worth is the one who actually made you. And we believe that that is God. And so, so but we, we do this thing because my worth, so you can't tell me what I'm worth. I'm going to tell me what I'm worth. And what I'm worth is how I fit. Therefore, I will tell me what I'm worth. And I, you ready? Here's the sermon today, the puzzle master. I will decide where I fit and how I fit. I will decide because that actually has to do with my worth in my own heart and in my own head. So I will then decide in my family how I fit and who gets to do what to me and who I get to do what to. And I will decide in in the workplace and I will decide with my brothers and sisters and I will decide in my high school and I will decide how I fit because how I fit is what I'm worth and I'm the only one who can decide that because, because we're deeply insecure that we might not actually be worth something. And we're deeply insecure because we're not sure what we're worth because of our own failures. And so we come in with this thing called insecurity. But then insecurity always has a twin called pride. 
It's just the weirdest thing. You would think that it wouldn't be in the same person, but it's in me and it's in you. These two twins, they just kind of get born at the same time. So I'm insecure about where I fit. I'm insecure about how I'm actually doing in my life. I'm addicted. I've got problems. I'm impatient. I'm angry. I don't talk to my kids right. I don't know how to discipline my kids. I'm not... And so we come in with this insecurity about this, but then insecurity and pride, and it's this like bouncing ball of death. You know, have you ever seen those things that you're trying to like sing along to the karaoke thing? Is this bouncing ball of death, or we're going back and forth from insecurity to pride in the same person, in the same minute. So it's like, I'm a disaster and I'm, you know, I'm broke. But Dustin, I know how you ought to spend your money. Insecurity, pride. I'm not sure that I'm winning with my teenagers, but I'm going to tell you what to do with your teenagers. I'm insecure. I'm feeling terrible. I'm not good enough for the team. And now I'm too good for the team, and I'm going to tell you what to do. Insecurity and pride, insecurity and pride. When insecurity and pride are in the same person, what ends up happening in all of us is that we tend to, we tend to be repelled by the very person that could help us fit. The very type of person that God will send. See, the solution you're looking for is not a solution at all. It's a person. It's a Nehemiah in your life that God, the anointing on their life, on his or her life, the anointing will help you fit. And, and because of our insecurity and pride, our insecurity and pride just make this person our kryptonite for some reason. You think about somebody in your life that God has gifted to help you fit, and you think how, you, how threatened you feel around them, particularly if you struggle with insecurity and pride more than you should. Can I hear an amen? amen. Am I preaching now? This insecurity and, and pride thing. See, there's something about insecurity and pride. Insecurity is too concerned about self to step out, and pride is too concerned about self to step back. And y'all are doing what Pastor Corey does in a jigsaw puzzle. Insecurity is like, ah, ah, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And then pride is like, I can, boom. Everybody deal with it, y'all. Insecurity is too concerned about self because they're both, they both originate in self. I decide. I decide my value. I decide my worth. I decide where I fit. Insecurity is too concerned about self to step out. So insecurity won't take a risk. And then pride, what pride is too concerned about self to step back and let somebody else do for you what only they can do for you. And we become these all-consuming individualists that are self-sufficient in everything. But that's not how God made you. And then what happens is because, here's the thing, we look at the people that are gifted in your company, just think about this, if if you're working in your school, we look at the people who are gifted, there's this thing about them, that they're gifted to put all the pieces into place, the puzzle fitters. We look at them, and then what we decide to do is we're like, look, nobody can tell me that, I'm, so I'm going to decide how I fit. But we look at somebody with, with, a, with a better gift. That, that's how we think about it, right? See, insecurity is all like, I wish I had your gift, and pride thinks that it already does <laughs> and tells you about it all the time. But what happens is we look at those people, listen, that God has gifted to do the fitting, and we're most threatened by them. And then because your worth has to do with your role, we tell ourselves that the only person that matters is the person at the top and the person who fits the puzzle pieces together 
in my business, the person that fits the puzzle piece together in my family, that person must be the most important. I don't know that I can do that, but I can take control over how I fit in here so that I can be important. And God in heaven is like, I'm the puzzle master. Why don't you just let me? I, I've sent you somebody who's a puzzle ninja. It does watch just put all the little pieces together. But then I realized this happens in a way that doesn't make sense to us because God is who he is and he just does stuff because he can. And what happens is how I fit into my family, this is, we think very kind of like A plus A equals, okay, this is what happens at your work and this is what happens in your life. You tend to only look at your company for how you fit into your company. So you're like, I'm going to look here for somebody to fit me in here. I'm going to look in my own family and inside the walls of my own house to fit me in here. I'm going to look inside of my own life to get free of addiction. I'm going to look here. I'm going to look here. And we build little boxes around ourselves and say, okay, so if I'm going to fit, it has to come from this source. But, but God does this thing called CrossFit. Not like actual CrossFit. If you're into CrossFit, I hate you. <laughs> look at me. I am. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're in shape. That's awesome. Going to another CrossFit, and no, that's awesome. I'm not even sure what it is. I just know that you have a body that I wish I had, and I don't have it, and I'm not going to do the work for it, so why would you make me feel bad? <laughs> You're a terrible person, CrossFit. I got dark. <laughs> just so everybody's perfectly clear about me, probably not. I run on a treadmill for 38 minutes every day, and that's about all I can do, and I hate that too. But CrossFit, oh my goodness. But what God does is he sends somebody with a gift into your life that CrossFits you into your own family. But it makes no sense to you because that's not how you would have done it. But keep in mind, you can't fit one piece in. And God can do the whole thing. And so this is where the body of Christ is so important, I think, because has anybody become a better husband by listening to the word of God being preached in a sermon? You better raise your hand. Men. Mm. All your wives are like, you better be a better husband listen to pastor. <laughs> Guys, I'm, I'm handing it to you. This is a victory. Just put your dang hand there. You come into the body of Christ, and the body of Christ is really the hope of the world because God puts in one body the giftings that can help your family work and help you work better in your career, help you be a better employee, help you get into the career that God wants. God puts this all in the body of Christ. Now, I don't know how he does it, but he can do it because he can do it. And so what happens is he starts fitting all these little pieces together in this little cross-fitting sort of thing that happens. But until you submit to the process, maybe you won't feel your worth. See, Nehemiah is a CrossFit kind of a leader. Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king, and yet in our account that we're going to read today, you're going to find out that Nehemiah ordered the army. Well, he wasn't in the army, and yet God gave him this anointing to set people in place for their own safety. Nehemiah's influence saved the nation at the time. But he was not an army guy. It says in, I'm not going to get into this account because you wouldn't believe it even if you read it in your Bible. So don't read your Bible on your own. Just let me preach it. Morning. Don't read your Bible every morning on your own. Just let me preach it. It's a trick. Nehemiah finds that uh, his, his people are having to sell their children as slaves because they don't have enough food to eat. And they're selling them and their own people are buying them. 
Now this was, you don't really understand the slavery at the time, but whatever it was, it wasn't great. And Nehemiah, like he's not an economics major. He's not a political major. He, he was the cupbearer to the king. But there's this gift of God on his life that he comes into this situation. And it says, in, it says in Nehemiah, read it for yourself. It says in Nehemiah, so I went to these guys. There was a bunch of things wrong. Then he listened to me and goes, I went to these guys and I basically lost my Holy Spirit. And I started tearing their beards out. And I'm like, what you're doing is not right. You're doing this to your own people. Are you guys crazy? And there's this thing in his life and this energy that he brings that he shifts slavery in his own nation. It's a powerful thing. But that wasn't his thing. It was just an anointing from God that he could come in and fit the puzzle pieces together. Watch the sort of thing because you need the divine in your life. You need connection to God in your life. If all you're trying to do is just naturally fit the puzzle, no wonder it's not working. You need to tap in to the Holy Spirit and tap into what he sees could be. It says, but when Sanballat, let's start with the bad guys, and Tobiah and the Arabs, Ammonites and Ashdodites, heard that the work was going ahead. Look, if you're checking out Christianity, you start coming in, expect something to go wrong. Because you know that the devil doesn't like you. He'll bring distraction. He'll bring betrayal. He'll bring all sorts of stuff. He'll distract you or he'll bring you wealth and distract you there. But when they heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. They all made plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. But we, Nehemiah says, prayed to our God and to guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. This is in the middle of a panic when you and I don't, we just freak out. And he's like, stop, 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 stop. Pray. We prayed to our God. We, we engaged heaven. You ever stop in, the mar- in a marriage fight and just like, stop, let's just pray together. No, you don't. I'm doing the act like you do. Pray. This is where the puzzle master is like, calm down, calm down, calm down. Beseech heaven. We need a divine plan. We don't need just a plan. We need God's plan. And then it says, and then what's the second thing that it says there? And we guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. So there are people in church who just pray, but they don't do the work that only you can do. So he's like, but we did this. And watch the plan and the strategy that God gives him. It says, then the people of Judah began to complain. Okay, so now it's not just bad enough that there's all this threat from the outside. But then your own teenagers start complaining about you on the inside and start pushing and pulling and like, hey, I don't want to go to church today. And I... Somebody else? Some other teenagers? Okay. Then the people on the inside of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired. And Nehemiah's like, yeah, we all tired. And there is so much rubble to be moved. There's this hopelessness that's in and around them. Just there's so much work to be done. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. We'll just never be able to do it. We don't know how we're supposed to fit into the nations again, but we can't do this. I, I just can't even do my own piece here. And this is how we feel. Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. Unless you came from a different country, you do not even know how they are feeling right now. This is not a threat. This is like an imminent threat. And they and their families and their wives and kids, like this is how bad this is. But there's something about the fight that energizes Nehemiah. There's something about the impossible that he just rises up. He just, oh, something grabs him on the inside and and there's not a hopelessness in him. There's something else. There's this 
holy energy about him. It says the Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again. He's just hearing constantly these terrible reports. They will come from all directions and attack us. Does anybody feel like that this last week? Everything landed at once, oh God. <laughs> one guy, he's like, why doesn't God just kill me and get it over with? I'm just like, God didn't do the stupid thing that you just did. And that's why you're feeling bad right now. It's just everything seems to land at once. You just don't even know how to deal with it. So he says, I placed, watch this. This is my favorite part of this whole thing. I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by families armed with swords and spears and bows. I placed, he says, by the spirit of God. Okay, first, let's just hit the last of that. I placed people by their families. Look, if I just met you yesterday and I'm fighting beside you and somebody's coming at me, see you later. I just, I don't have to be the fastest. I just can't be the slowest. You think about that. Somebody's just getting it now. But if you put me in front of my wife and my daughters, ooh, another place he talks about building the wall in front of their own houses. Ooh, I don't care about the wall in front of your house. Like, no offense. <laughs> the wall in front of my house. Oh, I said, well, I'm going to take a little more time on this one. I'm going to spend the money on this one. You, put, you station me in front of my own family. Oh, oh, now I'm willing to lay down my life. And that's the kind of courage that we need right now in today's society. We need that kind of a courage. We need the courage for the men to rise up and be like, no, my family is not going down. No, this addiction. No, 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 no. It's not happening on my watch. No. It, the devil would have to kill me to get me to stop. That's what we need in men. Can I hear an amen? That's what we need in, in women too. We need it. We just need this like, no, not on my watch. But watch the first part. They will come from all directions. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. The lowest parts of the wall. So the wall is being built, but there are parts of the wall that are lower than other parts of the wall. In the exposed areas, there's no trees and stuff in front of these. So if the enemy scouts are riding by, the treed areas, I don't care about. Watch what he does. He's like, he's like, I put all the CrossFit soldiers with all the armor behind the parts of the wall that could be seen from out here. And I lined them up. I put all the fit people there. And then the wall gets a little higher, and I put the librarians over there. And I gave them like a, like a shovel. Here, if somebody had, just hit them with a the shovel. But all the best armed people I put behind the wall. And then the wall goes up, and it's okay, and then there's some trees here, and then the wall goes down, and I just kept putting the CrossFit people. Just the strong people. I put them right in behind there, and then it's like, and so they ride by. All of a sudden, now there's a strategy. How would he know to do that? He's not military. But God anointed him to do it. God showed him what to do. God shows him what to do. Sometimes God shows the youth person what to say to your kid. Sometimes God shows somebody else like, oh, no, they shouldn't know, but they do. I don't know how that is. It's just God can decide and God knows. That's my favorite part. Let's put the CrossFit people there. The enemy doesn't know that Librarian, librarian, nobody, nobody, nobody. CrossFit! Like, wow, these guys are tougher than they... Oh, we didn't know. 
Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people, and I said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord, who is great and glorious, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Sometimes you just need somebody to say that. All they're hearing is all the threat, all the threat, all the threat. And then you come to church and it's just like, remember how great God is. Have you ever seen the wonder and the glimmer of first sight when somebody comes out of the water of baptism and their eyes are open and they have a relationship with God that they didn't have before? And it's just this like, and the eyes begin to open and the blindness means the light. If you have so, say. And, and we realize that, that he, he has this gift, this puzzle master of like, guys, 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 guys. All this threat, all this threat. Remember the Lord your God. And then look around you. This is what's at stake. Quit thinking about you. It's not about you. If you go down, your wife and your daughters go down. If you go down, your brothers and sisters go down. Take a look around you. Get some motivation that's not in your own life. And then it says, and fight for your homes. I think sometimes we fight for our homes first. We fight for our cars first. We fight for our hockey equipment first. We fight for our golf clubs first. Now, the homes were just in the very end of that because, you know, you need places. But remember the Lord your God. And then take a look around. Remember who, what really matters in his people. And then put the home at the end. If the home makes it, we can always rebuild a home. When the enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them. These are not enemies who serve the same God. They knew that something of the divine had been operated. This is when God gives you a career that you should never have. When God gives you, can I preach, a family that you should never have. When God redeems something that should never be redeemed, this is when even the enemies know that something happened here and, and this was impossible, but God must be in on this. It frustrated them. We all returned to our work on the wall, but then on. And this is where, where a puzzle master is so valuable in your life. See, they had gained a bit, a bit of victory here because the attack never actually did come because of the strategy. But then what happens is you and I, we have a good day or we, we get baptized or we have a victory in our lives and, and, we have a, and, and we have a fight, but then it gets resolved and then actually it's okay and our families. And then the next day is when we lose it. And this is where the puzzle master is. Sometimes the most valuable in your life because he's like, but from then on, I bring a level of discipline in. Nehemiah says, from then on, only half my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. From then on, we got more disciplined. From then on, we turned up the discipline. From then on, we got better. From then on, we showed up more. From then on, we slowed the work down, but the quality went up. From then on, we just made sure that we had our stuff together. We made sure that we were stronger in that area from then on. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers carried on their work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side. The trumpeter stayed with me to sound the alarm. Then I explained to the nobles and officials and all the people, the work is very spread out and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. When you hear the blast of the trumpet, rush to wherever it is sounding. Then our God will fight for us. So this rallying cry is what we need in Canada because we are all carrying around our own trumpets. And we're saying, when something goes wrong, everybody do what I say. And everybody's like, man, you take an axe down to the bottom of the boat in the storm and you start chopping. But God will, will send you Nehemiahs who in the panic and in the battle, they know what to do. 
they've thought about it. The Holy Spirit of God has prepared them for it on the inside already. They've thought about, okay, so when this happens, when this happens, I'm going to blow the trumpet and wherever I am, come rally to me and your families will be safe because God will fight for us. Listen to this. Do not miss what he says there. Come to me, he says, and God will fight for you here. If you won't come, I don't know that God can protect you out there. If you're just blowing your own trumpet and it's just you and you got 50 guys coming at you and it's just you and your family. No, no, I don't know if we can do that. But when we come together, church, when we come together to church, when it's not just you fighting this addiction, when we come together, God will fight for us here. But you've got to go where the trumpet is sounding. You can't just go and do it on your own. It's not just you and Jesus. No. It's you and fake Jesus getting attacked all the time by enemies when he's like, hey, I'm blowing a trumpet. What are you? I'm going to fight for you, but I'm going to do it over here. What I love about this, it says we worked early and late from sunrise to sunset, and half the men were always on guard. I love, I love this piece here because my back's feeling good right now. <laughs> I love this piece because there was not a person in Judah who would have said before God sent them Nehemiah that they could have accomplished what they actually accomplished. There's not a person there who would have believed it. Not a person there who would have been like, you could push me that hard and I could actually do that. I could build that whole section of wall. My family and I, we could do that. These were not masons. These were, some of them were perfumers. Here, carry this entire pallet of bricks over there. Uh, my hands are a bit soft. There's not a person there who would have said we could do this together. And there's not a person there who said I could do what's going to be required of me. And there's not a person in the room, there's not a person watching online who, who actually truly believes that you can do everything that God has called you to do because if he showed it all to you at the same time, it would just blow your mind because you, you look at the past of the, of the failure, but Nehemiah doesn't see the failure of the past. He sees the promise of the future. Nehemiah sees what God has written on you that nobody else can see. There's something about that person that can fit you in before your gifts are evident, can fit you in before your need for tomorrow is gonna be evident. There's something about the gift of God that someone that God sends you there's something about that person that will help you fit into your family better, that will help you fit. But see, we have to get away from wanting to mark ourselves because you only mark yourself the way that, that you see yourself. I have tattoos and that, that means that I've probably been to prison. <laughs> Not, that was a joke. I heard my daughter Arwen explaining tattoos to my mom who may or may not have been into the whole idea of tattoos. My mother. And I heard Arwen explaining the tattoos to, to mom one time, because I have, I have the tattoo of a, of a tiger here on my arm. That's how I see myself sometimes. Can I talk about myself for a minute? Just, I'm an orange personality type. You'll find out your personality if you go to NXT. I like talking about myself. I don't mind. I have a, a, a tattoo of a tiger here. This is kind of, and Arwen was explaining this to mom, and she's like, she, to her grandma, she's saying, well, you see, there's the controlled side of, of dad, the controlled discipline side that he got from dad, you know, from my, from grandpa. That's what she's saying. There's a controlled side. And I love tigers because tigers, man, there's something inherently powerful about tigers, and man, you don't know they're on you until it's too late. You're tiger food, y'all. I just like tigers. There's something about that, 
that I see in myself a little bit, not like eating people and stuff like that, but just that thing. I feel like I've been waiting a long time in my life and all of a sudden I think God's going to do something and I think God's, and I just have this inherent sense that there's a call of God in my life. And then on the other side, I have, I have a, a phoenix here. And this is more the chaotic side. This is, this is done up in a way that this has been kind of the story of my life and, and I put this on my body because it's very symbolic to me of how my life has looked. So there's the burning down that happens to a phoenix where the old life gets burned down into the ashes and out of the ashes, something seems to get resurrected. When you think that it's all over, something seems to get resurrected there and that's just been the story of my life over and over, just the burning down, the burning down and the, and the pain and the suffering. But then there's always this resurrection that comes out of that. And that's what I see. But there are other things that God has written about me and there are other things that God has written about you that you're not going to see until, until you let somebody else see it for you. Let me show you. I have a, an illustration. Do you know what this is? It's a black light. And let me show you that there's something else written over you that you don't see yet that might not be evident that God can't show you all at once but when God sends his Nehemiah to you that that person that him or her and and they start revealing those things in your life and start putting you in the puzzle at work and, and in school and in the church when they start doing this in your life then you see that there was this whole other thing that God planned all along for you this whole other way to see they see you as God sees you not as you see you and you see that there's these these other things written about you. And you see that, that you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but now you can actually be alive. And the Phoenix thing, that's great, but now you can actually be alive. And, and you thought that it was all over and you thought that you were bound and you thought your family was never coming out of it. But then, but God said something else. And God put you in a place where something else was said about you. And, and you thought that you would never get over. And you thought that you could never be fixed on the inside. And then God says, healed. And you've spent your entire life feeling invisible until God says, no. Let me put you in your place so you can be. Father, I pray for every person who feels invisible right now. I pray that you would make us invincible. I pray that we would submit to you and to your plan and to your words of, over our lives. In Jesus' name, I pray that our pride and our insecurity that you would deal with so that we would quit trying to tell ourselves what we're worth and where we fit. I pray that we would just give ourselves over to you and relax and let you place us where you have called us. But we don't even see that. And I pray, Father, that you would start helping us to understand that the people in our small group are going to start unwrapping us a little and start unwrapping the gift and start shining a light on things in our lives that we didn't even see there. And I cannot wait to see every person's gift unwrapped because I cannot wait to see the glory of God revealed at the end of it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from Pastor Corey Cope. If you'd like to partner with us, please go to venuechurch.ca slash give. Yeah, because a life saved is worth everything.